ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا وسيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله صلى الله عليه وعلى اله وصحبه وسلم تسليما كثيرا الى يوم الدين اما بعد our messenger عليه الصلاه والسلام has given a lot of importance to the heart and taking care of our hearts in fact allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has told us that nobody's children or wealth will benefit them on that day yawma la yanfa'u malun wala banun illa man ata allah bi qalbin salim a day when children or wealth will be of no avail except for those who come to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with a sound heart. That is a heart that is free of spiritual diseases. And the Prophet ﷺ has also told us in the authentic hadith uh, that the heart, in fact, controls the rest of the body. He says, In the heart, there is a piece of flesh. If it is correct, if it is fixed and it is right, right, if it is sound, then the remainder of the body will be sound. But if that piece of flesh is rotten, it's corrupt, then the remainder of the body will be corrupt. And the Prophet ﷺ went on to say, Indeed, this piece of flesh is the heart. Uh, why do we start talking about the heart when we're dealing with the subject of tawakkul? Because a tawakkul is from the greatest of the a'mal al-qalbiyyah, the actions and the worship of the heart. And everything else stems from the worship of the heart. In fact, if we think about the greatest ritual act of worship, which is salat, the essence of salat is your khushur. And khushur is also from the actions of the heart. It is that focus in prayer, that humility to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is why Ibn al-Qayyim rahimahullah ta'ala, when he talks about at-tawakkul, he says, Tawakkul is in fact half of the entire religion. This shows the importance of tawakkul. And we're going to talk about some of those ayat bi-idhnillahi ta'ala. But before we get there, let us also remember the statement of Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah ta'ala, who says that tawakkul is min a'zam al-wajibat. It's from the greatest of all of the obligations in Islam. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ibn Taymiyyah goes on to say, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has commanded with tawakkul in the Qur'an more than he has with purification, more than he has with wudu and at-tayammum and al-ghusl. Yani that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given tawakkul this great status and has commanded it. In fact, at-tawakkul, as some of the scholars of Islam have mentioned, at-tawakkul or forms of its derivation have been mentioned over 42 times in the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. To go even further, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made tawakkul a condition, a prerequisite, in fact, for the validity of a person's uh, faith, for the validity of iman. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, 
فَلْيَتَوَكَّلِ الْمُؤْمِنُونَ And he says this in seven places in the Qur'an. وَعَلَى اللَّهِ فَلْيَتَوَكَّلِ الْمُؤْمِنُونَ And upon Allah, put your trust if, if you are a believer. Uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in, in this particular ayah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, uh, let the uh, believers put their trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then in other ayat, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, in And in Allah put your trust if you are indeed uh, if you are indeed believers. And one of the places that we also benefit this is from the ayat when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, has mentioned to his Prophet والسلام, the importance of tawakkul. Though this is not how the ayah starts. Uh, it is how the ayah completes and it directly relates to the ayah after. So I like to mention this because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says to the Prophet Sallallahu By Allah's mercy, you were lenient with them. You were gentle with them. But if you had been hard and harsh hearted, they would have scattered from around you. I mean, the believers wouldn't have stayed with you had you been harsh with them, but you were lenient and you were gentle. And this is from the mercy of Allah. So he says, And then Allah says to him, So pardon them and seek Allah's forgiveness for them and seek their counsel in the affair. For those affairs that are not clear cut, that Allah has not given you a clear command to do or not to do, seek their counsel in these affairs. Even though the Prophet receives revelation from Allah, he is still commanded to seek their counsel. Now look at this. Allah says, okay, when you're dealing with a particular issue, seek their counsel. And then after you come to a firm resolution, al-azm, and you are determined to do something, then put your trust in Allah, rely upon Allah. Indeed, Allah loves the people of taqwa. Now, what we have to understand, I have Afwan. The people of tawakkul, not the people of taqwa, and that, that's different ayat. But here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Allah, yuhibbu al-mutawakkilin. Allah loves the people of tawakkul. Now, uh, I'm translating this as trust and reliance upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but uh, we'll go in and talk about some of the definitions a little bit later, inshallah, that the scholars have mentioned. Because it is important for us to realize here, and I want us to stop before we go to the next ayat. It is important for us to realize that when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves somebody, he takes care of them. Yani, if you think about a parent who absolutely loves their child, the parent who loves their child is going to do things for the child that they don't do for themselves. They will not do these things for themselves. They will not spend this money on themselves. They will not make certain sacrifice. If it was just for their own comfort, they wouldn't do it, but they do it for their children. And subhanAllah, if this is the case with the parent, and the child, then what do you think about the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for his abd? If Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves that person and he loves the mutawakkirin, then this should be a catalyst for us. This should push us to want to be from the people of tawakkul so that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will love us. And you think about the hadith of the Prophet والسلام, this is not on the subject of tawakkul, but just so that we understand that the Prophet himself has drawn these parables. If we uh, 
the, the hadith where the woman after the battle was going around and she's breastfeeding any child she can find, looking for her own child. And, and then she finally found her child. But the Prophet ﷺ says to his companions, do you think that this woman who's going around, she is taking care of all of these children. Do you think this, this woman would throw her child into the fire? And they said, no, Ya Rasulullah. The Prophet said, Lallahu arham min Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is more merciful to his servants than this woman is to uh, her child. And so one of the things that we should pull out of this also is that when we think about the, the love here, we're talking about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loving the people of At-Tawakkul, that is enough for anybody who truly believes in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to strive, to learn more about tawakkul. Uh, how do I become from the mutawakkilin so that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will love me? But Allah azawajal didn't stop there on, on the subject of tawakkul. He says, in Allah yuhibbu al-mutawakkilin. So after you've made this decision, put your reliance upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Indeed, Allah loves the people of tawakkul. Then he goes on to say, in yansurkum Allah fala ghaliba lakum. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says here, if Allah aids you, then there is none that can overcome you. There's nobody that can defeat you. We, we as Muslims, we should be seeking Allah's aid. We should put our affairs in his hands. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will take care of those affairs. And if he aids you, then there's nobody that can overcome you. Then he says, But if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala abandons you, he leaves you at the time when you need him, then who is it that can aid you after Allah? After Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has left you, who is it that can help you? And upon Allah, let the believers put their trust. So from the sequence of these ayat, we learn the importance of tawakkul and that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves the people of tawakkul. And when we say a mutawakkil, right, we're talking about a person who has reached that higher level of trust and reliance upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Not just one time, not just two times, but this is their state. The same way that, subhanAllah, if somebody uh, cooks a nice meal, uh, but that's the only thing they know how to cook. And they only do it once a week, for example. You don't call this person a chef, even though they cook from time to time. So likewise, a person who practices tawakkul, but they're not doing it consistently, then this person is not to be considered from the mutawakkilin that are loved by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, uh, as has been mentioned in this particular ayah. Another thing that we understand from this ayah is that tawakkul is actually a prerequisite for iman. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, uh, you know, on the tongue of Musa alayhi salam, also makes tawakkul a, shart, uh, a, a condition for the sihha, for the validity of one's Islam. in kuntum muslimin. And upon Allah, put your trust if you are indeed Muslims, if you have indeed submitted to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this again, you know, 
these are from the, the benefits that we get from this particular ayah. And it shows us the importance of tawakkul, just as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, has also mentioned that for those who put their trust in him subhanahu wa ta'ala, that he will suffice them. That he subhanahu wa ta'ala will be sufficient for them. He will provide them beyond measure. He will take care of their affairs. He will protect them. Whoever puts his trust in Allah, then Allah is sufficient for him. If Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is your husband, if he is saying that he will be sufficient for you, then there is absolutely no one else that you would need. SubhanAllah. So what does it mean then to have a tawakkul upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Because a lot of times, like I said, we just kind of throw around the word and we say trust or we say reliance, but we're not maybe catching the essence of what that actually means. So I want to mention the uh, definition of Imam Ahmed and another definition from Ibn Rajib, rahimahullah ta'ala. Uh, and then I'll mention to you what Ibn Al-Qayyim, rahimahullah ta'ala, says about the term tawakkul, because I think that if we can understand the, not necessarily the definition of Ibn Al-Qayyim, rahimahullah, but if we can understand um, the outline that he has given, the necessary components, if you will, of tawakkul, then it will give us a very good idea of what we need to do to be on the path of tawakkul. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to guide us on that path and make us from the true mutawakkirin. The, uh, the definition of al-imam Ahmed rahimahullah ta'ala, uh, he says, وَجُمْلَةُ التَّوَكُّلِ يعني, That is, uh, the summary of tawakkul, if you will, uh, is... تفويض الأمر إلى الله جل ثناؤه والثقة به. So this means that you resign your affair in its totality to Allah. That you leave your affairs in the hands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. تفويض الأمر إلى الله. تفويض here means to resign. In other words, you don't take uh, control of your affairs, that you allow your affairs to be dictated by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, that does not mean that you don't uh, work uh, towards the goal that you have in mind, towards the objective that you have in mind. But what it does mean is first and foremost, that all of those objectives are within what is permissible in the sharia. So you're not going to go outside of the sharia to try to get something accomplished. You know, and a lot of times we see this when it comes to rizq, sustenance. You know, we feel like what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has decreed for us is not enough. And therefore, we have to go out and seek some type of haram way to make more money because what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us and provided for us is not enough. It's not what we want. And so this is the first place where you see people go wrong in the area of a tawakkul by seeking rizq and their sustenance for means that are not halal. When this is happening, it shows a lack of resigning your affair to Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala. The second part here, so there's the tafweed, which is to resign your affair to Allah. We're going to talk about that in a little bit more detail, inshallah. But the second part, he says, وَثِقَةُ bihi which is that you have ultimate confidence in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The ultimate confidence to fulfill his promise. 
Allah Azza wa Jal calls himself Ar-Razaq. So we have confidence that he will provide for us. You know, that real thiqa billah subhanahu wa ta'ala, which comes as a result of knowing him. And again, we'll talk about this in a minute, inshallah. But uh, so again, if we just look at the definition of Imam Ahmed, he says that jumlatu at-tawakkul. Yani, tawakkul in, in essence, okay, is that you resign your affair to Allah and that you have complete trust in him subhanahu wa ta'ala. Ibn Rajibin, rahimahullah ta'ala, he says that a tawakkul is sidqu i'timad al-qalbi ala Allahi azza wa jal fistijlabi al-masalih wa dafi' al-madar min umur al-dunya wa al-akhirati kulliha. So basically what Ibn Rajab is saying is that it is the total dependence of the heart, sidqu, true dependence of the heart upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in bringing about any benefit in repelling any harm so any benefit whether that benefit be or or the harm be related to the worldly affairs or whether it be related to your deen and the affairs of the hereafter so all of this is absolutely critical uh Again, in defining a tawakkul as a state of the heart, it is an action of the heart. It is worship of the heart. It is true dependence of the heart upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, how does this play out? It plays out and it manifests itself with the following three components. And if you're taking notes or you drifted off for a little bit, this part you need to come back and pay close attention to. Ibn al-Qayyim, rahimahullah ta'ala, says that at-tawakkul comprises of at-tafwidu wal-isti'anatu wa-ar-ridha. Tawakkul comprises of total resignation of your affair to Allah, at-tafwid. Number two, al-isti'ana, that you seek Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's aid in everything that you are doing, in every goal that you are trying to accomplish, every objective that you have, whatever it is that you are trying to do, whether it is bringing that which is good or repelling that which is harmful to you and to your loved ones, that you have al-isti'ana or that you are seeking Allah's aid in that. And then the third thing is ar-ridha, which is contentment that you are content with the decree of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He goes on to say, لَا يُتَصَوَّرُ وُجُودُهُ يعني وُجُودُ التَّوَقُّرُ بِدُونِهَا يعني بِدُونِ هَذِي الثلاث. He says that it is inconceivable that tawakkul exists without the existence of these three things. Again, so without tafweed, Resigning your affair to Allah without uh, seeking Allah's aid. And this is where we're going to talk about, uh, do, you know, actually going out and trying to engage the means that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made as uh, a pathway to your goal. And then the third thing is that is that you are content with the outcome, no matter even if that outcome does not particularly coincide with what you had initially desired. 
All right. So for the remainder of this talk, inshallah, I'm going to talk about these three things. These three things, because inshallah, by understanding those three and having a good comprehension of these three, we will be on that path to tawakkul by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's mercy and by with his guidance. The first thing here is a tafwil. Meaning that you put your affairs in the hands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That you constantly return back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That Allah azza wa jal, you know, we use this word wakil. And if any of you have lived in the Arab world at all, then you've probably heard this word many times. A wakil is your agent. They are someone who acts on your behalf. And that person, if they've never betrayed you, they do the things that you ask them to do and they go out, they take care of your affairs for you. Well, this is one level of a tawakkul, but there's a, a much greater level of a tawakkul. And that is to be with the commands and the prohibitions of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the way that the corpse is with the one who is washing it. The corpse can't move unless that one turns it. So you don't turn unless Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells you to turn. You, you don't do other than those things that are permitted for you to do. And in fact, you strive to do those things that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is commanding you to do. You stay away from the prohibitions of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is part of your tawakkul, by the way. And seek Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's aid in that which we'll talk about. So this is where a tafweed, that is resigning your affair to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, knowing that if this is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has chosen for you, then this is what is best for you and you're going to leave it there. This is where most people fail, including when they make istikhara and otherwise they go out, they make dua for the job and they didn't get the job and somebody else got the job. And they feel angry or they feel disappointed or whatever their feelings may be, not recognizing that this was Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's choice for you. And that you have to put your affairs in his hands. And you did that. You made dua. You put forth the effort that you could put forth to get the desired result that you want, and it didn't work out your way. Put your affairs in the hands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is where, again, most people go, or many people go wrong, because they have a, an outcome in their minds that they want. And when it doesn't go their way, then they lose trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And they forget that Allah is Al-Hakim and He is Al-Alim. He is the one who knows everything and He is the one who is the most wise. And on top of that, He is Al-Rahim and He is Al-Rahman and He is Al-Wadud. He subhanahu wa ta'ala is the merciful. He wants good for you. He is Al-Muhsin subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so just because you didn't get the outcome that you thought was best, a lot of times people lose their tawakkul at that particular point. Now, what examples of this do we have? Many, many examples. From the lifetime of the Prophet ﷺ and from the stories that have come in the Quran and the stories that the Prophet ﷺ has mentioned to us in his sunnah. And it's, it's enough for us just to think about the story of Hajar and Ismail. When Ibrahim 
left them in Mecca. Now you gotta, you, you have to think about this from both angles. Uh, Ibrahim is a, is a prophet. The best of the prophets after Muhammad ibn Abdullah, the best of men to walk this earth after the Prophet was Ibrahim. And you can imagine that he is now from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, gets revelation to leave his family in a place that has no vegetation and no crops. In fact, nothing that even indicates that there's water. And he's supposed to leave his wife and his child in this place. That had to require tawakkul from Ibrahim Because any man wants to take care of his family and doesn't want to leave his family with absolutely no provisions. But look at what it must have taken from Hajar, who is calling Ibrahim, are you just going to leave us here? With no provisions. You're not going to, we're not going to have anything. And then she asked him, subhanAllah, a very important question. She says to him, Allahu amaraka bihada. Has Allah commanded you to do this? Has Allah commanded you to do this? This is what she wants to understand. This is not coming from you, but it's coming from Allah. And Ibrahim replied in the affirmative. Now, yes. She says, Eden, Allah la ahlahu. Allah will not neglect his people. Allah will not neglect his people. He will not leave them without provisions. And she gave him that blessing to go about your business, go about your way. Do what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commanded you to do. SubhanAllah. I mean, you think about this. You think about that condition that she must have been in, in a foreign land, in a desert with nothing around. And yet, she says, if this is what Allah commanded you to do, then go, because we are also from, the, from Allah's people, and Allah will not neglect us, and we will get what, we, we will have our provisions. And he, subhanAllah, an, an amazing story to the very end of it. You think of the story of the mother of Musa, who was inspired by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to take her child, who she was scared would be killed by Fir'aun, and his army, who were killing the, the boys from Bani Israel. And Allah tells her that if you become scared, then put him in that basket and put him in the river of the Nile. And who takes their child and puts their child in a river? But yet this is her supreme confidence in the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in the knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in the hikmah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is them doing tafweed. That is resigning their affair in totality to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And from the dua that the Prophet used to make at nighttime, the hadith of Al-Bara bin Azib this is a dua that we should make at night. And this dua for easy reference, even though it is in uh, Sahih al-Bukhari, uh, you can go back and find it in Hisn al-Muslim if it makes it easier, inshallah ta'ala. The Prophet would say before going to sleep, Allahumma aslam tu nafsi ilayk. Oh Allah, I have um, submitted myself to you. 
and I have turned my face to you. And I have resigned my affair to you. I have entrusted my affair to you. How do we get to this level until the end of the dua? How do we get to this level, though? Where we truly trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because that's what it means when you resign your affair to Allah. You have to trust him. How do you get to that level? You, you need to ask yourself two questions. Number one, do you believe that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants good for you? Do you believe that Allah wants good for you? Allah Azza wa Jal says, Ana inda abdi bi. I am as my servant assumes of me. I'm as my servant thinks of me. So let him think what he wills. Do you truly believe that Allah wants good for you? No matter what may have happened. Even if it's, even if it's something that is initially bad or, or it's from the bitter of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's decree. An accident. A, a, a sickness, a death in the family. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make it easy for all of those, all of us, and all of you who are going through any problems and any trials, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make them easy. I mean, the, the point here though is, do we believe that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants good for us? That is the first question. And then the second question that we have to ask ourselves is do we believe that what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us is good? And both of those questions revolve around the concept of billah, having good thoughts about Allah. And this is why Ibn Al-Qayyim in a different place, Rahimahullah ta'ala, he says that your tawakkul is ala qadri husni dhannika billah. It is directly coincides and correlates to your good thoughts about Allah, your good assumptions about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's tied directly to your husnudhan billah. And this is how we can get to the point of tafweed. And this goes back to the definition of an Imam Ahmed, rahimahullahu ta'ala, when he says that part of tawakkul is a thiqatu billah that you have supreme, ultimate confidence in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. How do you get to that point? You get to that point by knowing Allah, by learning about his names and his attributes. Allah has revealed his names and his attributes in revelation, in the Quran, and in the sunnah of the Prophet Learn those names of Allah. Learn who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is. Learn about his attributes. Know that he subhanahu wa ta'ala, if you make a mistake, he is ghafoor. And he is ghaffar, that he is off forgiving, that he is tawab, that if you repent to him, that he will turn to you, subhanahu wa ta'ala. That Allah Azza wa Jal is the muhsin, that he is al-bar, al-rahim. Yani, know this, this subhanallah, yani, if, if somebody, if a billionaire, if, if Bill Gates or Bezos or Elon Musk or one of these, you know, Western billionaires came to you, ya Abdullah, ya Ahmed, and he said, listen, listen, quit your job. Quit your job today. All of your businesses, don't worry about it. No even if you're the CEO, you're the founder, don't worry, give it to somebody else. Don't even worry about it. For the rest of your life, 
I have you. I, I'm going to take care of you. And not only that, I'm going to take care of your children. I'm going to set, a, set up a trust fund for your grandchildren. And you don't have to worry about anything for the rest of your life. What would you do? And how would you feel? Elated. And you would do that. Why? Because you know that this person has the ability to do what they say they're going to do. And for some reason or another, you trust that they're going to actually do what they say they're going to do. Well, who are these people compared to Madik al-Mulk, the one who owns the entirety of the dominion, the one who says that the as-samawati wal-ar be yameeni, that the entirety of the heavens and the earth is in his right hand, subhanahu wa ta'ala, that he is in control of all of this, and he owns all of it, and he's the king. If that's the case, if we truly know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we will have that confidence in him and we will put our affairs in his hands, subhanahu wa ta'ala. That is the issue of a tafweed. However, it does not negate the fact that we have to go out and do our part. And this is where al-isti'ana comes in, as Ibn Qayyim says. So we have tafweed and then we have al-isti'ana, which is the second thing. Seeking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's aid. Well, what does it mean that we seek Allah Azawajal's aid? The Prophet said, that the strong believer is better and more beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala than the weak believer. And in both of them, there is good. Then he goes on to say, Strive to do that which will benefit you. There's nobody who had tawakkul more than the Prophet. Nobody. But he is telling us to strive to do that which will benefit us. So we strive. We have to go out and do things. If you want children, you have to get married. You want provisions. You need to go out and work. You need to invest. You need to do something. You want your uh, seed. You want your crops to grow as a farmer. Then you have to plant seeds, right? You want the lights to come on. So you hit the light switch. Right? Strive to do that which is going to benefit you. And seek Allah's aid and don't give up. Seek Allah's aid and don't give up. This is part of you doing what's on your part, you doing your part, and seeking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's aid. If we go back to that hadith of Hajar, when Ibrahim leaves her with Ismail in the desert, did she just sit there and say, woe is me? Um, you know, I, 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 the water is going to come out the sky. Uh, the food is going to, Allah is going to send the food from out the sky. In fact, Umar he says to, to all of us, giving us advice, don't let one of you just sit down uh, when it comes to seeking his provisions. And he just sits back and he says, Oh Allah, provide for me. Oh Allah, provide for me. But he's not going out and doing anything. Because you all know, you all know that the sky doesn't send down gold and silver. So you got to go out and work. And what did Hajj do? Where do we get our ritual and Umrah and Hajj of As-Sa'i Going between Safa and Marwa. Well, we get that from Hajar because she was going between Safa and Marwa, looking for something, looking for some of Allah's risk. She went out and did her part. 
she engaged those means. The Prophet والسلام, when uh, in this hadith, Ibn Rajab considers it to be an asal, it's a foundation when it comes to the hadith of the Prophet والسلام, that deal with التوكل, uh, he, he, this hadith of the Prophet وسلم, where he says, if you were to truly depend upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the way that he should be depended upon, then he would provide for you the way that he provides for the birds. He would provide for you the way that he provides for the birds. Those birds go out on an empty stomach and they come back on a full stomach. But what do we benefit from this? SubhanAllah. And one of the things that we benefit from is that the birds go out. They don't just sit in the nest and they wait for worms to drop out the sky. The birds, they go out in the morning. And notice, SubhanAllah, something else too. That everything does tasbih, glorifies and praises Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Except for the fact that we don't understand its form of praise. The birds in the early morning, before they go out seeking their sustenance, there's that what they call the dawn chorus, right? Those birds are singing the praises of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And you, Ya Abdullah, when you go out in the morning, before you go out, Yani, for your job, you should have done the praises of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You should have praised Salat al-Fajr. Yani, the believer does not set the alarm clock for work at the expense of Salat al-Fajr. And before that, if you can, to pray a portion of the night in tahajjud. But the point is that you start your day with the worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and not just going out and seeking risk. Allah will provide for you the way that he provides for those birds. But those birds don't start their day flying out the nest. They start their day singing, subhanAllah. And then they fly out. And then they fly out. And then on empty stomachs. And they come back with full stomachs to feed themselves. And they're able to feed their afrah, yani the baby birds that are in the nest as well. And the point here is that we engage those means that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made uh, as a as a way to attain the objective that you have. Now, at the same time, our trust is still upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the trust is not upon the means. Yani you take, uh, for example, you take uh, some type of painkiller because you have a headache. Does that mean that the painkiller is necessarily going to work? Two people might have the same headache. They take the same medicine. One of them feels better and the other one doesn't. Because ultimately, it is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's decree. And it is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that makes these means active. And it, it, it makes it actually work. So the reality is, is, as we mentioned earlier, you want children, you get married. But it's very possible that you get married and that the person that you're married to is sterile and cannot have children. By Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's decree. So we don't depend upon the means, but we engage the means. Because this is from the sunnah of the Prophet This is from the teachings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In fact, uh, during the lifetime of the Prophet when some of the people would come from Yemen 
they would yahujuna wala yatazawadun. Yani they would come to make the hajj, but they wouldn't take provisions. And they would say, Nahnu al-mutawakkilun. We are the ones who have trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we rely upon him. But when they got to Mecca, they would ask the people. This is in Sahih Muslim. Uh, Iqrima uh, mentions this on the authority of Ibn Abbas, who said that when this happened, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed, But take provisions for verily the best provision. And verily the best provision is a taqwa. So this is actually a rebuke of what they were doing. That is, that you don't just go out and you don't take provisions. I mean, there are means that we need to engage. Uh, and this is part of our tawakkul upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And a lot more can be said about this, but this is under the category of al-isti'ana and seeking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's aid. And all that we do, whether that be related to worldly affairs or whether that be related to our deen. The last component that is mentioned by Ibn al-Qayyim rahimahullah ta'ala is the component of ar-rida, ar-rida. Uh, which is contentment. And this is after the fact. That is that you are content with the result of your actions if you have done that which is pleasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and you engaged in those means. And the Prophet alayhi salatu wasalam from his dua is وَأَسْأَلُكَ الرِّضَى بَعْدَ الْقَضَى And I ask you, O oh Allah, for pleasure. That is that I am pleased, that I am content after your decree. So whatever it is that you have decreed for me that I am content with. And this is why the ulama mentioned that on the path of tawakkul, for a person to truly become from the people of tawakkul, that they have to have the correct aqidah when it comes to al-qada wal-qadr, belief in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's divine decree. Believing in that divine decree, believing that you may put your best foot forward, that you may do those things that are necessary to attain the result that you are looking for, and it still may not happen, or it may may not happen the way that you would have liked it to happen. Or sometimes that there are things that are going to happen that are masaib, that are calamities that befall you, that you have no control over. That you still, as part of your tawakkul, that you have rida ba'd al-qaba, that you uh, are training yourself and asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make you content with his decree. And this manifests itself in the dua of al-istikhara that we all make. That last part of the istikhara is when kunta ta'dam. Subhanallah. So when we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we say, if you know that this thing is not good for me, right? It's not good for me. It's not good for me in my religion, or my worldly affairs. Or the, the, the present or what is to come, then take it away from me and remove it from my heart. Danny, take it, take it away from me and take me away from it, basically. Right? And then decree for me the good, wherever it may be, and then make me content with that. These are all components of tawakkul. And uh, the time for this lecture has come to an end. But I do hope that there has been some benefit that you have gathered from this. There are a lot of talks about a tawakkul, but I don't know any of them up until this point that have actually broken down those components that were mentioned by Ibn al-Qayyim, rahimahullah ta'ala, that are necessary for us 
you know, as we travel this path of tawakkun, we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for his guiding light. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to forgive us for our shortcomings. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make us from amongst the mutawakkileen. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make us from amongst those whom he loves. If there's anything that I've said in this talk that is good, then that is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and him alone. And if there's anything that I've said that is incorrect, then that is from myself. And I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for his forgiveness. Subhanakallah wa bihamdika. Ashhadu an la ilaha illa anta. Astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayk.